Sermon 37 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Take heed, therefore, that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, recovering the time, for the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunken with wine, wherein is looseness. The care that we have of our temporal profit will suffice to condemn us before God of the negligence that is seen in us when we come to the well-ordering of our life. For we think to escape by this excuse that we thought not of it. But is it a tolerable fault? that when God calleth us to him, and setteth the heavenly life afore us, specially in telling us how dearly it was purchased, and requireth nothing but that we should yield him his right, that is to say, that we should glorify him in true obedience, all this should be nothing with us. Must it not needs be that we be too gross-headed to stand buzzing about a straw, as you would say, and about a sort of things that vanish away, and in the meanwhile to despise the kingdom of heaven after such a sort as to make no account of God's service, and to esteem the salvation of our souls as a thing of nothing. Yes, and therefore St. Paul exhorteth us now to be more waker than we have been wont, and first he saith that in this case we must stand upon our guard, and not imagine that God must acquit us for our blockishness' sake when we be entangled in this world, and by that means think not upon the kingdom of heaven." Take heed, saith he, that ye walk circumspectly. It is true that although we look never so nearly to ourselves, yet shall we not miss to be carried away by our infirmities, and we commit many faults, not only through ignorance, but also even wittingly, and oftentimes we be not strong enough to withstand temptations so manfully as were requisite. Nevertheless, if ye search narrowly why men pardon themselves many offences so easily, and why they bear themselves on hand that God thinks not on them, ye shall find that it proceedeth of negligence. For if we considered that we walk in the presence of God and his angels, surely it would hold us in another manner of awe than we be. That therefore is the cause why he doth expressly require here a great care and circumspectness in us, to the intent that no man should give himself over unto evil for want of taking heed. And to provoke us the more thereunto, he addeth, that we have need to redeem the time, because the days are evil. Wherein he showeth that we cannot devise to abuse God's grace so little, but it is a willful losing of the time, which we cannot recover afterward. Now then, let us gather a brief sum of the things that are contained here, and let us begin at this point, that the days are evil, whereby St. Paul doth us to wit, that we shall find many lets to keep us from coming unto God. For we know we be hemmed in with so many corruptions, that even they which are best-minded shall stumble on the one side, be pulled back on the other, and diverse times stray quite away. Now we had need of a singular in working to fight in such wise as we may get the upper hand of all the impediments that Satan cast afore us, to pluck us from our God, and to thrust us quite and clean out of the way of salvation. And therefore... This hath been true in all ages, that forasmuch as men are always froward of nature, and we be born in sin, Satan holdeth us as his prisoners. Again, there is not that man among us which draweth not other men to naughtiness. Moreover, we wot not scarcely how to open our eyes, but 
we shall see some one thing or other that may utterly overthrow us, and the devil, through his wildness, applieth all to his own working, that unless we take good heed to his doings, he marreth us out of hand. But the more that the world rageth, and the more that iniquity overfloweth, the more ought we to mark well this text, and the counsel that is given us here by the Holy Ghost. For surely nowadays men are come to the full measure of all enormity, and there is no part of the world where a man may find a single and sound dealing. In old time yet a man might have found some nations where the folk were not so crafty and malicious, nor so excessive in pomp and all kinds of pleasures, nor so far over the shoes in robbery, cruelty, and extortion. But nowadays let a man go about everywhere, and he shall find that there is nothing but as a horrible water-flood and confused turmoil of all wickedness. And therefore if St. Paul have said that the days were evil, when there was a hundred times more soundness than there is nowadays, we ought to be the more vigilant in keeping good watch according to the increasing of the evilness of the time. If there be any fear of war, every of us will abate his countenance and consider that it is not for him to hazard all at one chop, but that he must reserve some sprinkling for a pinch, as well of victuals as of other things. Also, if we have any other troubles, every of us will be forecasting enough in that behalf. Let us bethink ourselves, we will say, for necessity will drive us to it. But now we see well the evilness of the days, that is to say, that all is against us, and although we were the diligentest and circumspectest in the world, yet shall we not fail to be taken tardy with many things, and to find ourselves hindered when we should serve God, and yet notwithstanding all this passeth and slippeth away, and we mind it not at all. Therefore let us bethink ourselves and learn to redeem the time, that is to say, the more occasions there be to provoke us to naughtiness and to pull us away from God, the more every of us enforce and strain himself to do good. For we be wont to take the corruptness of the time for a cloak to cover our sloth and unlustiness withal, and so we bear ourselves always on hand that it is lawful for us to play unthrifts among unthrifts, as the proverb saith. If a man tell us that we must live indifferently and uprightly, how shall I do then, will every man say? A man cannot buy a pennyworth of apples without some deceit. And how then may I deal in wares and merchandise? Again, if a man tell us that we must live soberly and stayedly, yea, say we, but who doth it? If a man speak to us of patience and mildness and such other things, is it not apparent, say we, that every man behaveth himself clean contrarywise? Shall I be all alone in the world? Lo, how we make vice our buckler against God, and against all the warnings that are given us, as who should say that because it is common, therefore it ought to serve us for an acquittance or discharge. But contrarywise it is said here that we must take so much the more pain to redeem the time, and more that the devil laboureth to hinder us, and the more means and wiles that he hath to do it withal, the more must every of us employ himself manfully, and waken up all his wits and understanding, praying God to strengthen us and to give power to resist him. Thus ye see that our redeeming of the time must not be by making of temporal and worldly gain, for in that behalf we need neither counsel nor encouragement. Every man is too much inclined that way of his own nature, and our lusts are so fiery as they will not suffer us to be slothful in that case. But since we see the devil goes about to trouble us, that we should not spend our lives in the serving of God, let us redeem the time in that respect. And after what manner? in that he speaketh of redeeming, ransoming, or buying again, he presupposeth that we must forego and loose the thing that we are desirous to have kept. For 
when we be to redeem a thing that was gone out of our hands, or to buy a thing that we need, or to compound for a thing that another man withholdeth from us, in those cases we forego some piece of our profit. If another man have laid hold of a thing that were for my commodity, I must give him a piece of money to get it out of his hand again. Even so is it said that we must redeem the time. And after what manner? Not always with gold and silver, but by forsaking our own lusts. It is true that sometime gold and silver must be spent about it, for if worldly riches turn us away or pluck us back from the following whithersoever God calleth us, we must redeem the time, that is to say, all that ever we perceive to be noisome and offensive after that sort must be thrust underfoot. Howbeit, there are many other means besides. For some are so snarled in their ambitiousness, as this world hath altogether ravished them, and they take no taste of the everlasting life for anything that can be preached unto them. Other some be given to deceiving, and others to extortion. According, then, as every man sees the devil able to win of him, and to make him to lose his time by consuming it in wicked things, so let him redeem it, that is to say, let him reform himself, and forsake both himself and all the temptations wherewith he might be entangled. Ye see, then, that the thing which we have to mark upon this strain is that, considering the corruptness which is nowadays throughout the world, and the great number of outrageous vices, and how all things are quite out of order, and to be sure that even the perfectest men are somewhat infected with the vices and disorders that are everywhere, instead of seeking vain excuse by alleging that we be weak and unable to overcome the great number of impediments that are offered us, we must redeem the time." Now the only means to do it is to understand that Satan's thrusting of us down after that sort is no sufficient discharge for us before God, for if we resort unto him he will give us armour and weapon to hold out the battle withal until we have gotten the victory. But howsoever the case stand, let it not grieve us to lay away the things that we liked of, and to hold our wicked affections as it were imprisoned, and then will it be easy for us to follow the thing that St. Paul saith here, that is to wit, to be watchful and heedful, that we walk advisedly even as wise folk and not as fools. We have seen already heretofore that if we profit in God's school as we ought to do, we shall have a sure rule and cannot be deceived nor seduced. For God knew what we have need of, and he hath not forgotten to show us anything. And therefore St. Paul presupposeth that although we be blind wretches, although we be overwhelmed with the darkness of this world, although the devil have many subtleties and wiles to wind about us, yet if we be good scholars to Godward, and suffer ourselves to be ruled by him and his word, we shall have sufficient wisdom, and we shall not be able to say that we offended unawares, for God is forecasting enough to rule our whole life, at leastwise if we hearken to all that he saith, and yield ourselves easy and willing to be taught. If it be so, then we may surely be wise, as St. Paul requireth. And indeed he expoundeth himself by and by after in saying that we must not be unwise, but well advised, and understanding what is the will of God. He showeth here what manner of wisdom he meaneth. It is not as the world speaketh of it, for the world saith, A man is very wise when he is subtle-headed to deceive, and can skill to keep himself from his enemies, and maintain himself by his shifting and policy. Or else the wisdom of the world is also to lay well aforehand for a man's own profit, whether it be by hook or by crook. For there is no talk of the fear of God, there is no talk of equity, and much less of single and plain dealing, because that he which will be wise to the worldward must bear two faces in one hood, he must be malicious, 
he must be full of lying. As for him that walketh in truth, he shall be counted as a dodderal, for he makes himself a bait for every man to prey upon. He that will not turn neither to the right hand nor to the left shall likewise be called an idiot. Ye see then that the wisdom of the world cannot be without lewdness and evil conscience. But St. Paul, following the sayings of the Scripture, namely that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, and that the fear of God is the perfection of it also, telleth us that when we be skilful in God's will, then are we wise. His intent, then, is under these words to condemn all the crafts, cavils, and subtleties that men use, and wherein they welter themselves, and whereof they boast, and to show that all such stuff is but loathsomeness before God. What manner of wisdom, then, shall there be in us? Enough if we know what the will of God is. Yea, but in the meanwhile, how shall we behave ourselves towards the world? God will so bless our simplicity as we shall not fall into the snares of the wicked, for we hear our Lord Jesus willeth his disciples to be simple as doves, which are silly birds and soon scared away, and yet nevertheless to be wise as serpents. God therefore will not suffer us to be fleeced and eaten up by the wicked, though we live simply and plainly and have none of the worldly shifts to resist them. Let us but only betake ourselves to the keeping of our God, and he will give us wisdom enough. Howbeit the chief matter is not to have skill to maintain ourselves in this world, and to disappoint men of doing us wrong and injury. We must begin higher, that is to wit, at the ruling of our life in such wise as God may allow of it, and we show ourselves to know with what condition he hath set us in this world, and to what end he hath created and redeemed us, namely that we should come to the inheritance of heaven. That is the way for us to be rightly wise. Again, although this doctrine seems strange to such as are plunged into the world and utterly heathenish without knowing whereto they be called, yet notwithstanding, if we look thoroughly into it, we shall see it is not unjustly said that there is no wisdom but the fear of God. For what do all they, which will needs advance themselves by their covetousness, ambition, and other trade of theirs? It is certain that they do manifestly provoke God's wrath against themselves, and oftentimes they receive the reward which they deserve, for they spin halters both for themselves and for their children, insomuch that whereas they hoped to enrich themselves, or to maintain themselves in great credit, and to leave an everlasting remembrance of themselves in their houses here, God doth so curse all their attempts, that the more they hoard up, and the higher that they climb, the more horrible is their fall and confusion, so as the goods which they have heaped up are turned to their undoing, at least wise, to the worldward. But put the case that their prosperity held always at one stay, yet do we know that our happiness consisteth not in this transitory life, which is of no continuance, but is as a shadow that vanisheth out of hand. What shall we then think of the man which, being created after God's image, redeemed by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and adopted to be companion with the angels, doth notwithstanding play the beast willfully, by forgetting what he himself is, yea, and even the price of his salvation? If a man which is created to inherit everlasting life be contented with the having of a three or four days pleasure here beneath, and never passeth for all the rest, must it not needs be that Satan hath bewitched him, and bereft him of all understanding and reason, and finally made him like a brute beast. For if a man's son forsake his father's house, and the sustenance that is prepared for him there, and runs raging abroad to have a two or three days pleasure, 
whether it be in whoredom or in any other lewdness, and within a while after becomes a beggar, and hath not a morsel of bread to eat, will not the world say that such a child is stark blind, and worse than mad? Now, let us compare this to the heritage that is prepared for us in heaven, and was purchased so dearly for us. Let us see wherein it excelleth our wicked and cursed lusts. Let us see whether those men do cast themselves which shrink away from God, and what their end is like to be, when they be so gone away from the wellspring of life, and of all welfare and joy. So then, had we any settled understanding, surely we would no more think it strange that the true wisdom of men is to live in the fear of God. For that is the thing wherein all our welfare consisteth, as it is said in the psalm. So much the more, therefore, doth it stand us on hand to mark well this lesson, where St. Paul telleth us that we shall ever be as strangers from all welfare, so long as we seek not to obey God. Besides the things aforesaid, we have also to mark that, as I said afore, there is not any other rule than the framing of our life according to God's commandment. Would we then that God should allow of us and like well of us? Let us not rest upon our own intents, neither let every of us be given too much to stand on his own conceit, and to say, This seems good to me, it must also be so, for I like well of it. Let us beware of such over-boldness, and let us offer ourselves to our God, assuring ourselves that we cannot do amiss in obeying him, inasmuch as it is our whole wisdom to inquire of his will. Now can we say that our Lord hath hidden anything from us that was for our behoof to know? No, for he protesteth that he will show us the way of life, so we be not stubborn, but bow down our heads with one accord to be subject to his word. The same was protested long afore of the law, which notwithstanding was but dark in comparison of the gospel, for there we have the full and perfect sight. Now therefore let us not allege that we be rude and gross, neither the veriest idiots in the world think to escape at that starting hole by saying, I am no divine, I never went to school. For God hath stooped in such wise that all of us, from the most to the least, may be taught familiarly by his word, so there be no replying nor gainsaying in us, but that we suffer ourselves to be guided and governed by his will. And his will is manifest unto us, as he protesteth by the prophet Isaiah, I have not spoken unto you in secret, saith he, I have not said in vain, Seek me, whosoever seeketh me, I will be at hand with him, and show him familiarly whatsoever is for his welfare. To be short, St. Paul presupposeth here, as he saith to the Colossians, that when the gospel is preached unto us, there we shall find a faultless wisdom, by means whereof we shall have a very certain way, and therefore let us beware that we swerve not from it one way nor other. It is true that all men shall not be so well enlightened as were requisite, but whereupon is that to be whited? but upon our own fault and negligence. And again, although many simple souls attain not to such knowledge as might lead them and direct them perfectly to the serving of God, according to their heart's desire, yet notwithstanding, all they that submit themselves humbly to God's word and receive it, and give themselves to it, and bear such reverence towards it as they ought to do, shall surely have a good lodestar to lead them to the heritage of heaven, although they drag their legs after them, and be not so well advised as were to be wished. For this cause St. Paul rebuketh all them of unthankfulness and stubbornness to whom the gospel is preached, if they be not sure what God's will is, for that showeth them as much is for their behoof. It is true that God will not make us to live above the clouds, nor feed our curiosity as a number desire, who would have speculations and are fond to hear some new thing, and would have every day change of speech to tickle their ears withal. 
but God will not follow our fancy so far. He will teach us the things that are behoofful for the bringing of us unto him. And what would we more? That, therefore, is the thing which we have to remember upon this saying of St. Paul's. Now then, let no man think it strange that the wretched world is so run astray that every man peeks away alone by himself, and there is nothing but confusion everywhere, as we see, for example, among the poor papists, who martyr themselves out of all measure, and yet fail so much of coming unto God, that they go from him through their misadvised and brutish zeal. And why? For they pass not a whit for God's will, but every man follows his own fancy, and all of them excuse themselves under pretense of good intent. By that means hath the world been perverted, by that means have all things been put out of order, and by that means hath all certainty been taken away, even because that instead of God's will, which ought to be so apparent as every man might bow down his neck to it, to receive the yoke that is laid upon him, men have taken leave and liberty to do what they thought good of themselves. For as much then as God's will hath been so despised, and men have been so devilishly bold and overweening as to behave themselves after their own winding, it did put all things to confusion, and the disorder of it is so great yet still, that it ought to make us shudder to think upon it. So much the more, therefore, doth it stand us on hand to hold ourselves very soberly in awe by submitting ourselves to God and his pure word, and not to wander one way nor other, seeing that all our wisdom cometh therein. That is the thing which we had to remember further in St. Paul's setting down of God's only will for the full rule of all things. But we cannot frame ourselves thereafter unless we take our leave of all our ticklish lusts and of all that seemeth good in our own eyes, and suffer God to reign over us and to have such mastership among us that we neither add anything to his pure word nor take anything from it. St. Paul could well have said singly, that we must walk as folk well advised, but he addeth also on the contrary part that we should not be fools and unwise, to the end to show that it is but a mockery when men say, I am lettered by other folks, I have not the means to follow my book, that I might do good at it, or I am a poor simple soul, or a husbandman, or a handicraftsman. Therefore, to cut off this gear, St. Paul telleth us that although they which wean themselves to be wisest are but fools. Yet notwithstanding God will remedy such as suffer themselves to be governed by his word. Howbeit, let us mark, as I said afore, that it is not for men to advance themselves, or to be so proud as to think that they can govern themselves as they ought to do, for the beginning of our wisdom is to be fools in ourselves, as hath been showed in the first to the Corinthians. But on the one side there is presumptuousness, so that very few can humble themselves in such wise as not to be still plucked back and hindered by their own opinions, and on the other side other some are so reckless that although they have their ears daily beaten with God's word, yet they continue dull still for all that can be done. So much the more behoveth it us to mark well the warning that is given us here which is, that to be well taught in God's school, we must not bring any wit of our own reason, neither must we think our own devices good, but we must be fools in ourselves, that is to say, void of our own reason, and we must give place and open way to God's word, so as we accept without gainsaying whatsoever is uttered by his mouth. Hereupon St. Paul comes back again to certain particular and special exhortations, as he had begun to do before, and first he saith that the faithful ought to keep themselves well from being drunken with wine, wherein there is disorder. 
as if he should say that we must have such stay of ourselves in our eating and drinking, and so use the good things that God hath ordained for our sustenance, as to make measurable repast of them, and not make ourselves like brute beasts. Now that we may profit ourselves well by this doctrine, we have to mark first of all, to what end our Lord hath appointed food, and all other things that are for our sustenance. What then is the lawful use of wine, of water, of bread, and of all other victuals? Verily, to feed ourselves with them according to the need of our infirmity, and to sustain us so in life, as we may not live idly, but that, first of all, we may do homage to him of whom we hold our life, and by whom it is maintained, yielding him thanks for his fatherly liberality, and secondly, keep ourselves occupied, every man according to his degree, and according to the ability that is given him. Thus you see that the lawful use of meat and drink is to sustain us, not that we might be as blocks of timber, but that every of us might occupy himself in doing the things that God hath ordained, to the behoof of his neighbour, and to the earning of his own living honestly, and specially above all things, acknowledge the benefits that God of his infinite goodness bestoweth upon us, that he may be glorified in all things, as it is said in another place. Now then we see that meat and drink ought to serve to lead us to God. For is it the reason that when God shall have reached out his hand to pour upon us the benefits that we receive of him, he should notwithstanding go unknown, and we still cram ourselves here at his cost, and yet forget him. Were not that too lewd and detestable a beastliness? Therefore, although meat and drink be helps to our feebleness, yet ought we to refer all unto God. Indeed, it seemeth at the first sight that we be lettered and hindered to do good, as well by eating and drinking, as also by sleeping. It is very true that thereby God showeth what we be, but on the other side we must come also to the recompense of it, that forasmuch as the time is after a sort lost while we take our repast, because we cannot apply ourselves to the serving of our neighbours during that time. Our foreslowing in that behalf may, as it were, spur us to resort unto God, by considering what his goodness is towards us, according to the reproof that he setteth before our eyes. Thus ye see, as I said, that although our eating and drinking do hinder us to the worldward, yet ought they on the other side to give us occasion to be more cheerful in seeking God. But now let us see what excess worketh. If a man cram himself so full that he becometh unwieldy, there is a change in his nature, and it is all one as if he were at defiance with God and with nature, and with all order. For, as I have said already, meat and drink are ordained to strengthen us, that we may apply ourselves to the things which God commandeth, and our vocation requireth. Now therefore, when a man is so pampered as he can no more, first he hath defiled the sustenance that God gave him, and secondly he hath changed himself into a beast, and as much as he can defaceth the image of God. Moreover, God is forgotten. Is not this unkindness monstrous, as though a man would mingle heaven and earth together? But this is not yet all. St. Paul addeth here the upshot of all enormity when he saith that in drunkenness and in all riot there is looseness. That is to say, men overshoot themselves, putting away all shame, forgetting all honesty and becoming wild beasts. We see that one of the properties of drunkenness is to drive men either into whoredom or into some other lewdness, and to cast them into so sound a sleep that they perceive nothing at all. Let a man mock at them, let him spit in their faces, they feel nothing of it. Again, whatsoever comes at their tongue's end, out it goes, be it right or wrong, and they will as soon blaspheme God as speak unjustly of men, for there is no discretion at all in them. 
Now when men are thus carried away, and whereas God had printed his image in them, to make them reasonable creatures, and given them an excellent state above all other living whites, they fall to playing of the beasts after that fashion, and become like asses and dogs. Must it not needs be understood that drunkenness is one of the detestablest things that can be? So then, St. Paul meant to show us here, in one word, that although there were no true fear of God in us to restrain us, nor we so well advised and discreet as to consider the true and lawful use of the benefits that God hath granted us, yet we should refrain for shame of the world, forasmuch as we see that a drunken man is a confusion to pervert all order, and there is nothing to be seen in him but a lump of all lewdness, insomuch that God's image is defaced, all reason quenched, and all things put out of order in him. Therefore, since we see that drunkenness is matched with such extremities, ought we not to abhor it? And although St. Paul hath given here but a short glance at the enormities that happen through drunkenness, yet we must consider that in the same he hath also in general comprehended all the rest. The thing then which we have to remember upon this strain is that we must be sober, and have a stay of ourselves in our eating and drinking, and that although there be abundance before us, yet we must be so discreet in taking of our repast, as our meats and drinks do not cumber us. The very heathen men saw that, and no marvel, for it is a knowledge that be not wiped out, that we must eat and drink to live, and not live to eat and drink, and again that we must take our repast to strengthen us, and to make us able to do our duties, and not to make us unwieldy. For it is certain that bread and wine and meats are not ordained to cast men down, but forasmuch as men should else decay for famine, as our Lord reneweth them, and giveth them their strength, according to this saying of the psalm, that wine gladdeth man's heart, and bread strengtheneth it. And so you see what we have to remember in the first place. And secondly, let us consider that when God suffereth men to overshoot themselves into all lewdness, so as they be utterly without stay of themselves, without honesty, without shame, and every man sees them to be as brute beasts, and they themselves perceive nothing, but are, as it were, cast up at random to all shamefulness. It is a rightful punishment laid upon them by God for abusing of his liberality, and for glutting of themselves without any measure. Lo here the payment which this unhallowing of God's benefits deserveth, when we cannot use them according to his ordinance, and according to the rule that he hath set us by his word and imprinted in our hearts. For though we had never heard one word, neither of the law nor of the gospel, yet are we sufficiently convicted even by beholding the order of nature, which the very heathen men considered. And here we have to remember that the mischief is dubbed, when men step aside and give over themselves from evil to evil by degrees, and therefore much less ought it to serve to lessen their fault, as we see a number would have it to do, who, when they cannot deny but that they have done amiss, fall to this shift for their last refuge, saying, O oh, ye may see, I was overtaken with the wine, my wits were intoxicate after I had once drunk. Behold, I pray ye, how that they cannot start aside one way nor other, would fain have their drunkenness to serve to acquit them before God. But so little can that stand us in any stead, that contrariwise we shall be so much the more guilty. And in very deed, if laws were well ordained, a drunken man should have double punishment when he had committed any offence through his unsoberness. And why so? For he was worthy of punishment already for unhallowing of the benefits which God had dedicated to our use, that they might move us to resort unto him. 
whereas he gave them in witness of his fatherly goodness. The party abused them after that fashion, and what a traitorousness is that? Drunkards then deserve one punishment for that. Again, forasmuch as they be drawn to evil doing afar off, as though they had confederated themselves with Satan, they ought to be punished again, for that they will needs excuse and cloak themselves. For, although the laws of men have not always that consideration, or that men observe not that which ought to be observed, yet notwithstanding, they that give over themselves after that sort, and let themselves loose into all lewdness through their unsoberness, shall be driven to answer afore God for defiling the things which God had sanctified to his service, and wherein he had put a mark of his goodness, to the intent to draw us unto him by the same. Then, if all be perverted in our eating and drinking, must we not yield an account before God for our abusing of the benefits that he had bestowed upon us, contrary to his intent, as though we were minded to provoke him willfully to anger? Seeing then that drunkenness makes men so beastly as to forget themselves in such wise that God's image is defaced in them, and they become like dogs and swine and asses, since we see ourselves so disfigured, say I, yea, and worthy to be rejected of God as horrible monsters, and that we do also lay open our own shame and dishonesty before men, ought not every of us at leastwise to bethink himself advisedly, and to bridle our lusts in such sort when God giveth us meat and drink, as we fall not into excess? Yes, and so ye see, in effect, what we have to remember upon this strain. And if we cannot be so perfect as were requisite, let us sigh for our faults, and in any wise beware that we play not the beasts in eating and drinking, that God may be so honoured of us as he ought to be, not only by our doing of homage to him for our life, but also by taking continual occasion by our meats to be provoked to resort unto him. And let us understand that he giveth us even now some taste of his love, to the end that, in waiting for the full enjoyment thereof, we may learn to forsake the world and serve him with the willinger mind, knowing that he is not only our master and hath all superiority and dominion over us, but also our father and is desirous to win us by his goodness. Now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to make us so to feel them, as we may truly repent us of them, and always resort unto him to ask him forgiveness of them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he bear with us until he have drawn us quite and clean away from all the corruptions of the world and of our flesh, and that we be so reformed as we may seek nothing, but by all means to come to the perfect righteousness whereunto he exhorteth us. And let us all say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father. End of Sermon 37